the best, the worst of 2018. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Melody Akles. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. Also joining us to wrap up the 2018, even though we're recording this in 2019, is Mo. Welcome, Mo Walker. Glad to be here. Um, We haven't podcasted in a while. That's all on me. My life has been a bit nuts. It's going to continue to be a bit nuts. Um, We'll probably record again sometime at the end of January, but I love best and worst podcasts, so I was like, let's try and sneak this in. We got a lot of categories to cover, both film and television. Mel, mm-hmm. who was your female film entertainer of 2018? Well, for me, I have a youngin coming in here, but her name is Letitia Wright. She is Shuri from Black Panther. She was also in Infinity War. And don't forget about Ready Player One. I think the girl is fantastic. Um, I can't wait to see more from her. And I actually looked this up while I was looking at her. Apparently, she was the highest paid actor slash actress point blank period of 2018. She's starting like one of the three biggest movies of the year. So I am super excited for her. She does fantastic. Bring it on. Okay. Uh, Mo, who did you have? I'm going to go with uh, Hannah John Kamen. Most people know her from the television side of things, but she did, in 2018, she did have a big year in terms of film. She was in a number of films, two of the films that I saw her in, that in which I appreciated uh, her acting ability, ability was, uh, she was in Ant-Man the Wasp, she played the villain Ghost, and no, I think that there was some, I had some plot issues with, some small plot issues with that film, uh, in, in which, in issues revolved around her character i thought overall she was a great villainess and then also like mel said my uh hannah was in ready player one as well and she played a villain and you know it's it's interesting she's playing villains in these in these films but on the television side of things she still continued to be dutch on Killjoys, and she also played anelia um dutch's uh doppelganger slash mother on on the aforementioned Killjoys as well. Well, Mel, you and I are on the same wavelength. Um, anybody who's listened to a Daytime Confidential or Geek Confidential podcast know I loves me love me some ties. And while I was pretty good at that at the on the Daytime Confidential year-end podcast, I utterly failed on the Geek Confidential podcast. So I have a tie. The um, first category the we first have. First category. Tie. Exactly. So you usually wait till like five or six. Well, okay. this is just the it. order that it happened. Like I've got ties in all th- three of the four movie categories. So this will be a long podcast. Okay. So Letitia Wright, Shuri, Black Panther was one of my two picks for everything that Mel said. I thought that she was refreshing. She was a revelation. And there wasn't a moment moment in any of the films that she was in where she didn't just like draw your eyes to her. I mean, you couldn't look away. She was wonderful. Also from Black Panther, 
forgive me because I'm going to mispronounce this, Denai Guerrera, who plays Okoye, loved her. She, If I'm not mistaken, she was on The Walking Dead, correct? Or is correct. on The Walking Dead as Michonne? Still on there. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I've, I loved her for years on Mich- as Michonne, but I thoroughly enjoyed her in Black Panther. Male Entertainer of 2018. Who do you have, Mo? I got the one, the only, Michael B. Jordan, Killmonger for Black Panther. And I, Reggie, to the Montgomery for all my children. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I mean, and he also did Creed, Creed 2 as well, and he had, he also was in uh, an adaptation of Fahrenheit 451 that, that aired on HBO. And I have to say that the the way Michael B. Jordan, he, he just started off the year like a rocket in, in um, Black Panther playing Killmonger. And Killmonger was clearly the villain. He was the antagonist of the film. But you agreed with Killmonger. He swayed you to his politics. He You just, I mean, he just killed a lot of people, you know? I mean, if he didn't kill people, we probably would agree with him a lot more. But um, again... I'm, you know, I I really hope that Black Panther opens a lot more doors for uh, Michael B. Jordan. I know he's going to be doing some stuff on Netflix coming up soon, um, some um, producing credits and so forth. And and I know uh, Creed did, did fairly well for him as well. And so I, I he he truly is, in my opinion, the male entertainer, film entertainer of the year. Okay, Mel. Well. It's two for two because I also had Michael B. Jordan because for me in film, if you're thinking about it, it really wasn't anybody more on top than him. He's like Mo said, he started off at the top with Black Panther. Then he did um, Creed 2, which is really fantastic as well. And then he hit the small screen on HBO doing Fahrenheit 451. So for me, like you, you hit all the points and he did fantastic in each of them. So it had to be Michael B. Jordan. But since that one's already been said... I was gonna. I had a um a second. An here. honorable mention. So, yes. Well, actually, I have two honorable mentions, but I'll save the other one for the the end. But my second one was Josh Brolin, who is Thanos from Infinity War, and he was also Cable in Deadpool. I mean, you take on these two roles and does a fantastic job. I mean, I don't know anyone that wasn't talking about Thanos. For at least most of the year, he just did a fantastic job with that villain. So um, I, I thought he was great. And he is, oh gosh, he was so young when he was on The Goonies. And it's one of my favorite movies of all time. But just to see him like so young in The Goonies to going to, you know, such an older man and still rocking it out in Hollywood. I just I think it's fantastic. Well, it's a three-peat. Michael B. Jordan is Killmonger in Black Panther. Um I watched Michael B. Jordan first on The Wire, and then he came to All My Children, which is where I really fell in love with him. And it has been so amazing to see his evolution as an actor, to see his amazing success, and to think about the fact that he portrayed the of a villain in film in which a lot was written. The fact that he portrayed a villain that had so much nuance and that you almost empathized with with his situation. 
And when he was gone, you were like, well, damn, how do we bring him back? He was that good of a villain. He wasn't one note. He wasn't mustache twirling. He conveyed all the weight of his pain, of his childhood pain and what he did to get to Wakanda in his character. I really think he did a fantastic job, and I would love to see a solo Killmonger movie in which we get to see him up to this point and what happened between the projects and Black Panther. Okay, well, this brings us to best and worst movies of 2018. First worst movie of 2018, Mel. For me, it had to be none other than, y'all know I like horror movies, but The Nun was so disappointing. Um, I mean, so I like horror movies. I always have. And The Nun comes from the Conjuring series. So me as a horror movie aficionado, there are not a lot of movies that truly scare me, but The Conjuring is one of them. Like, I got to sleep with the lights on and all kinds of shit. So when I was like, oh, they're taking The Nun from The Conjuring movie, they're making her own movie. It's going to be great. And then it wasn't. It, we get very little minuscule story on her and there were lots of cheap scares in the movie. And I was like, what is this? This is such trash. So that one, I was super disappointed that I actually paid money to go see it. Mo? Well, I'm going with most disappointing movie instead of worst film in this category um, because I really didn't see anything I thought was just absolutely a dumpster fire this year, thankfully. But... Um, for me, most disappointing was Solo, a Star Wars uh, film. Just quite, quite frankly, I didn't see what was the point of this movie. It was like the Disney just wanted just an opportunity to have to put to uh, uh, franchise out another Star Wars character to try to make some money in between, you know, the regular episodes. I thought the acting for most of the actors and actresses in the film were fine. Uh, Donald Glover, particularly as Lando Calrissian, was, for me, the high point. I thought Woody Harrelson did a really good job as well. It just felt like it was just a checkbox. It was like, oh, Han Solo's name. He's got to get the Millennium Falcon. He got to meet Chewie. It just felt so paint-by-the-numbers, and the story itself just didn't feel like it was epic and worthy enough of the film screen and it should have been a story that was on the small screen you know this would have been probably perfectly fine as a probably a television series on the disney streaming service that's supposed to be coming but for someone to go to a film to see a star wars movie it didn't this the solo film did not seem epic enough and and i was just really disappointed in it Solo, a Star Wars movie, was also um, one of mine listed for worst movie. I have three. Solo, a Star Wars movie, Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, and Robin Hood. I'm going to go through them real quick. I I agree with everything that Mo said about Solo. I would have actually preferred... If we were going to do a solo movie, I would have liked to have seen a Cassian Andor movie that would be a prequel to Rogue One or a movie in which we learn more about Chirrut. Uh, I'm not pronouncing that right, but Chirrut from Rogue One as well. Both of those were really compelling characters that you knew nothing about that have plenty of potential mythology that could have been created. And I feel like it would have been a better use. I do agree. Solo was paint by numbers. Meanwhile, 
Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was a massive disappointment for me. I thought it was, I mean, there were fun elements to it, but when we ended up in that house and all of a sudden it became this sort of like gothic, like horror movie that like, it just like, I felt like I was watching something that would be taking place in the English countryside in this big old mansion. And it was going to be a game of clue. I mean, it would, it, it felt weird. Um, Robin hood. I am a sucker for Robin hood mythologies. I will pretty much go and watch any Robin hood mythology, whether it's on television or in film, I'll check it out. It, this film was one that was enjoyable, but it made no sense. Like the premise for uh, Robin and Marion, th there were elements of that was that just had you go, huh? There was elements of like the church and how that played a factor in things that just took you out of it. At the same time, there was a party in it, which uh, the was being thrown by the, a priest that felt like you were going to the Met Gala it made no sense and it tried way too hard. So those are my three for worst movie. Best movie of 2018, Mel. I don't think it could be anything other than Black Panther for me. That movie, we had been waiting for it and waiting for it. There was so much anticipation. And when you finally saw the movie, it did something that doesn't happen a lot. It lived up to the hype. I thought the story was fantastic. There was such a fantastic cast. Oh my gosh. Everyone in that cast is a super star. Do you hear me? I also thought Black Panther was visually stunning. There were times when I was watching it in the theater and I was like, holy shit. This, it just looked amazing just on screen and, you know, getting Black Panther and seeing the Dora Milaje and we all just had a big discussion on how amazing Michael B. Jordan was as Eric Killmonger. You know, he, he was a villain, but you kind of sympathize with him. You know how a good story has to be to sympathize with a villain? I mean, come on. I just, it was great seeing a cast like that on screen that looks like me and absolutely killing it. They, that was the number one movie for I don't even know how long because it was amazing. I, it just, when I think about 2018, it couldn't be anything other than Black Panther. Absolutely fantastic. Since Dan isn't here, I'm going to toss this in since you didn't touch on it, but also the soundtrack for it was fantastic. Ooh, that's true. That is so true. Just that movie was tens across the board, as they say. I loved it. Mo. I got a tie. So, um, a tie? Black yes. Panther and Infinity War? You got one right. Yeah. I'll, I'll go Black Panther. Um, you know, everything that Mel said about Black Panther applies to me as well. Um, you know, I, again, just to see that this Marvel character who, you know, started off from the pages of the Fantastic Four. Um, you know, have, and Black Panther didn't really have a whole lot of comic series up until the 90s. He really wasn't taken, in my opinion, based on what I know from Marvel, he really wasn't taken a whole lot, he wasn't really taken seriously uh, until Christopher Priest started writing him. And to see a lot of what Christopher Priest brought to his run on Black Panther um, during, the, during the late 90s and so forth, seeing that on screen and 
just seeing how it pops visually, as Mel said, and that the fact that the story, number one, you could take all the comic trappings away, the superhero trappings, and you still have a very good family drama at the at the center of this film. And it, 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 it has to be one of my favorite films of, 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 of 2018. My second one is a bit of a surprise, and um, it's a recent film, actually. It's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It's the animated film starring, um, well, co-starring Miles Morales, who is a Spider-Man from an alternate uh, reality. He is black and um, Puerto Rican. He, he is a biracial, he's a biracial Spider-Man. The Miles Morales Spider-Man character is is absolutely one of my favorite comic book characters. He has been one of my favorite comic book characters since he was introduced, um, you know, nearly like nearly eight years ago. Um, in I was going to say it's getting close to being a, a decade, right? It's getting yeah, close to it's a decade. been close to a decade since because Miles. the and, ultimate yeah. the ultimate line was like when I was getting back into comics, and so I love the ultimate lines, and so I am very fond of Miles Morales. Yeah. Yeah, so so just I mean this this character hasn't been around that long. He is what many people may consider a derivative Spider-Man. He is a derivative Peter Parker, but this film showed how unique Miles Morales is when he is compared to not just one Peter Parker because in the Spider Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse film, you had multiple Peter Parkers and Miles showed a, what made this character so unique and showed that anybody could put on a Spider-Man mask and be a hero. Second, and, and again, like Black Panther, it was a family drama at the center of this. It was about Miles and his relationship with his parents, particularly his father and his Uncle Aaron. And ironically, you saw Uncle Aaron um, was in the previous Spider, uh, Spider-Man Spider Homecoming film, which, which, is, which was a cute little cameo. But again, the animation... For Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is very unique. Um, I recommend that if you haven't seen it, you see this in 3D. It's just visually eye-popping. It's an amazing film. And like Black Panther, it had a kick-ass soundtrack as well. Well, um, I have not yet seen Into the Spider-Verse. I have heard amazing things about it. And because I am not a big fan of Peter Parker, the character... So that is something that usually people will come for me on because it's Spider-Man. I've never been a big fan of Spider-Man, never been a big fan of P Peter Parker, but I love Miles Morales. So I'm really looking forward to watching this film. Um, my best movie of 2018 was Black Panther. I It's the one that I've seen the most in the theaters. I think I watched it three or five times the only other two movies that immediately come to the top of my head as having watched that many times in theaters is the matrix and the star Trek, um, reboot, the original star Trek reboot. Um, the, it was excellent. The soundtrack, the acting, the story, the script, I got chills watching it multiple times throughout the film. Um, it is one that I think, is going to have a, an amazing legacy, both in film and in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It was unexpected that it would do so well, and yet it did, and I'm here for it all. This brings us to TV. A lot of TV happened in 2018. We got a whole bunch of interesting ca categories. We'll see how this goes. 
Kicking things off, baby, come back! The character we most want to return in 2019. Mo. I'm going to say baby, come back, Matt Murdock from Daredevil, because I want the show to come back, and I'm upset that Netflix canceled it. See, I, like, my theory is that I don't, like, I don't know the details, but I'm like, let's see what happens when Disney's streaming service returns. That's, I'm just holding out hope. Mel, what do you have? My baby come back is Miss Rosario Dawson as Claire Temple. Now I know, I know. She is a hardworking woman. She was on everybody's show and she decided she needed a break and I respect that. But I need you to come back, okay? I just I need you to return because I think you're fantastic. You are great in Daredevil. You're great in Luke Cage. You're great in Jessica Jones. Just please come back. That's all I ask. Whenever she feels like she's rested up enough and she wants to come back, please do. There was some controversy about the actress who plays this character um, prior to her debut, but I thoroughly enjoyed the Elseworlds um, crossover. So I want Ruby Rose's Batwoman to return. Supposedly, we're going to be getting a series. We'll see if that actually comes to fruition. But I enjoyed it, and I thought that the, the crossover event deserved much more Batwoman than we got. For all the promos that were really cool, I was like, that's it? I really need more. Kill them already. The character you most wanted killed or would be happiest if they're gone. Mel. All right, now. This show comes on Fox. It's called The Gifted. Andy, you gotta die, baby. You just, you absolutely (laughs) have to to die at this point. He is so emo, angsty teenager, it annoys the piss out of me. Oh my gosh. And he's so just misguided and thinks that, oh, I have the power to destroy everything and that's what I'm going to do and it's going to fix the whole world and I don't care what anybody says. Mom, you're the worst mom. Oh, that kid drives me absolutely bananas. He's so Ugh, just die. Just kill him. I just want, ugh, I want Reba to scream and just kill him. And I don't even like that character. Just kill him. You mean Boo Boo Kitty? Huh, yes. <laughs> Girl, just, ugh. Just um. die. What's what I found what I found interesting about 2018 is when we're doing a year end podcast, we end up discussing sometimes two seasons of a single show like The Gifted and Black Lightning. Both of them premiered at the beginning of 2018 and returned for their second seasons at the end of 2018. So like I really was torn and I remember how much we love the first season of The Gifted. And but I agree with you since that season in season two, he has driven me insane. Mo, who do you have? Well, you know, Andy's annoying, but, you know, I have a character who I find even more annoying than Andy, who, again, has progressed from one season to the current season, who just needs to die already. And that's Ricardo Diaz from Arrow. He drove story. He was the primary villain of season six of Arrow. Um you know, the, the, the act, I, I don't mind the actor at all. The actor did a good job. Uh, I thought the villain's art got played out. We in season seven. Dude is still causing Oliver Queen problems. I mean, he is causing Oliver Queen to get shanked in prison, prison riots, all this crazy shit. It's 
so, excuse me, crazy stuff going on. Um, you know, Felicity got scared enough. She got to put a cap in him. You know, I'm just over that character. He is, he is, if anything, he is holding this season of Arrow back and he needs to go. And, you know, I think maybe, maybe Andy and Ricardo should get into a cage match and just kill each other off. And that'll be the end of it. And that'll satisfy both me and Mel. I hate to say this because it sort of feels like dancing on the grave of something that's already dead. But Danny Rand of Iron Fist, they should have just killed him. They should have killed him after uh, the Defenders and not brought him back and been done with it. Because season two, while the season was an improvement, it wasn't that much of an improvement. Once again, everything that was good about season two or of Iron Fist had nothing to do with the actual Iron Fist. You know, I feel like in, in Iron Fist, we got a lot more Iron Fist backstory, and it was, in my opinion, a lot more about Iron the Iron Fist, the concept of the Iron Fist, the lineage of the Iron Fist, and that whole thing drove the story. But I do agree with you that Danny was, I, he was to me, he wasn't as annoying. When L- you're cheering say, for the villain to actually become the official <laughs> Iron Fist, there's a problem. I wasn't cheering for neither one of them to be Iron Fist, quite frankly. The one person I wanted to be Iron Fist ended up being Iron Fist. So Colleen Wayne is now Iron Fist, is one of the Iron Fists. I'm perfectly happy with that at this point. Every hero needs a sidekick. The best sidekick of 2018. I'm not sure which of you went first last, so Mo. Well, okay. I wouldn't necessarily classify this person as a sidekick. If if I actually said that they were a sidekick to their face, they probably will whip my... um, and that's Misty Knight from Luke Cage and Iron Fist. She was just popping up everywhere. She was helping out everywhere. You know, she was trying to be Luke's better angel, trying to keep Luke keep Luke on the straight and narrow as much as she could. Um, and Iron Fist, you know, she was playing backup for um, Danny and, and uh, Colleen mo- most of the season. I think, um, you know, she got a nice little story arc as well, you know, coming to terms um with the fact that she lost her her arm in the Defenders and trying to figure out how to use her new robotic arm. We got some really good seeds for her. Misty Knight, she was a great sidekick. Again, though I stress this, I would not say this to her face because she would kick my ass. Um, She was a great sidekick in two shows this season. Um, And hopefully, you know, she will return one day. Misty Knight will return one day um, once Disney, Netflix, whomever gets their act together and gives us a Daughters of the Dragon show with Misty Knight and Colleen. Mel? Um, mine is Gamby from Black Lightning. He's a sidekick slash brains of the operation slash he gets he gets it done. Okay, do you hear me? I think James Remar does a great job. As Gabby, I liked that in this season, if you haven't seen it yet, spoiler alert, um, that he faked his own death to try and protect Jefferson, and you discover that he's still alive. I just, I really enjoyed all of that, and I feel like, you know, one doesn't work without the other, so you always gotta have Gabby around. Mine is also Misty Knight, because she popped up on both Luke Cage and Iron Fist, and... 
she is a problem solver and she got promotions and everything on top of it. And as Mo said, I don't know that I would want to call her a sidekick to her face because you might get punched. But my favorite sidekick or best sidekick of 2018 was also Misty Knight. Biggest frack up. Mel. This person is their father's child. Nora West Allen, come to the floor. I am calling you out right now from the flash. Oh, my goodness. So you mean to tell me this girl ran back into time like her father so she could meet him. And now as I'm watching this show, I can see it happening. I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm like, yeah, you have destroyed another timeline it's about to fall apart soon. I can already see this. And because of this, because you decided to run back in time and so on and so forth, reverse flash we have discovered is still alive. And she is reporting to him everything that's happening. You are your father's child. Mo? I'm going to go with a with a hor- with a human well a human slash animal hybrid and that's Bojack Horseman played by Will Arnett or rather voiced by Will Net- Arnett on Netflix's Bojack Horseman. If you haven't seen this show, he fracks up his whole life every episode. I mean, he spirals out of control just constantly. Bojack Horseman, you know, he was this movie star who had a hit TV show in the 90s. And then in the 2000s, you know, he's come back with um, he got the, he came back with a film. And now in the current season of BoJack Horseman, he ended up with a streaming television series. And he somehow just fracks that whole thing up by stepping into it when it comes to Me Too. They did so they did a they had a Me Too storyline on there in which uh, BoJack was claiming that he, he was uh, an advocate for Me Too. But he had this secret uh, that was. That was like a ticking time bomb involving him and a and an underage person. And, you know, he was just constantly just drunk and crashing cars and just screw, having sex with his co-star and just throwing her, you know, overboard when he just wanted to get rid of her. I mean, it's Bojack Horseman's whole life. It's just one complete mess, and it's a nice mess to just constantly watch because it's interesting and entertaining. Mel and I are on the same wavelength this episode once again. Nora West. Oh, God. You had to know that when Barry and Iris's daughter came back from the uh, future and that she revealed that her dad wasn't around that it was only a matter of time before she began making many of the same mistakes that her father made early on, and boy, oh boy, did she make them. I have loved Jessica Parker Kennedy since I first saw her on Black Sails on Stars, where she played a madam. I adore the actress, uh, but Nora as a character, boy, you can tell she's Barry's daughter. The Buffy Summers Hero of the Year Award goes to who, Mo? I'm going to go with Miss Sabrina Spellman from The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I mean, she literally is the new Buffy. I mean, she has this um, this uh, legacy that's thrust upon her and the, fa- and the fact that um, her, father, her father was this high, 
high priest um, in, in the Church of Satan, and you know she she doesn't want to live up to that. She wants to embrace her human side, and you know she's constantly trying to do things to help her friends, and she really wants to be to use her powers in a very responsible way, but. You know, like Buffy, she does things sometimes that screws things up. Like she brought her her boyfriend Harvey's brother back from the dead, but then she had to end up doing what she needed to do in order to put him down. Um, and at the end of the first uh, season of the Chilling Adventures, you know, she had been fighting, you know, her 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 supposed destiny that was thrust upon her to put her name in the in in um, Satan's book and and Satan's. Um, allies kept throwing up these creating these circumstances in, in which they would try to trick her into joining the dark side but you know what when she did sign her name in that book she did it on her terms she did it in order to save her friends and her town and she essentially sacrificed herself like buffy summers did in order to save to save the world i never thought that i would see the day where oliver queen got my Buffy Summers Hero of the Year award because I am not, like, I watch Arrow and I don't mind Oliver, but he I never thought it would be possible that he would get my Hero of the Year award. But the reason why he did is getting it is because Oliver Queen as the Flash never screwed up the timeline. He is a true superhero. He was able to pull off everything that Barry does without screwing up the timeline. That alone makes him a hero. Thanks to Elseworlds. Mel, who do you My have? My Buffy Summers Hero of the Year goes to none other than Miss Lucy Preston from Timeless. She saved many a day okay that whole i love the episode when they were doing um the vote for women basically episode and she gave the big speech oh yep. that was fantastic i loved it to me she was always the center of that show everything kind of revolved around her she was the one who was keeping a journal of everything they did which literally ended up saving them in the end and to me that makes you the hero of the whole show. It, it's got you. She's fantastic, and I love her. So, I really feel like next year I'm going to have to tweak the categories a little because I'm as I was going through like my list of things, I didn't have places to put like the new She-Ra on Netflix or the Timeless special or any of that. And so I was like, boy, we may need to have an animated category or we may need to have, yep. we yep. may need to have a special event category. category. It's been the same categories. For no, years. L- listen, you do not now to get to give me a hard time about the same categories. This has not been the same categories. This is only the third year we've done it. This is not DC uh, where we keep the same ones, but I'm like, I'm willing to fudge around with this. Usually you're the one who's giving me a hard time for adding new categories. And now you're giving me a hard time for wanting to change it up the joffrey baratheon villain of the year 2018 mel um miss mariah dillard from luke cage god alfie wrote it was so fantastic she was so bad in this and it was amazing i just oh, the fact that she was willing to sell her own daughter up the river and not bat an eyelash about it is amazing. She wants to kill Luke Cage. She's working with Bushmaster. I just, whew, 
she was a bad you know what in that series and it all came to a head and I loved it. Mo? Mel, don't you oh I was gonna say Mel, don't you be Mariah Stokes. Mariah Stokes, okay. not Dylan. Okay. Stokes. Stokes. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who do you have, Mo? I have Ben Lockwood, aka Agent Liberty from Supergirl. And you know, it's he's a very timely villain and in, in, in terms of not to get too political here on this show, but he advocates attacking immigrants, aka aliens. You know, he essentially wants, if he could, you know, build some sort of prison or some way structure. Stru- yeah, structure to hold these aliens. He he is um he will kill anybody who gets in his way as as Agent Liberty as Ben Lockwood. He has a very he has he is a very media savvy individual. He has a platform in which, you know, he can uh convince people to come to his side. You know, Supergirl did a really good thing. Um one an interesting way of, of trying to make him as Ben Lockwood as a villain more understanding by devoting an entire episode to the character to show how aliens have uh, impacted his family, ended up indirectly leading to the death of his father and showing the sort of impetus for which he has donned the, uh, the agent Liberty helmet. And I, I just feel like, um, while this this villain is not the splashiest. He's he's and and I would say he's not necessarily the most charismatic villain. I think it's very timely, and I think that to to have a villain where you can show that in 20, 2018 that reflects the discourse that we have in society is a good thing to see on television. My I have a tie in this. One of them is Mariah Dillard Stokes, as Mo is pointing out, for everything that Mel said. And since she said it so well, I'll go to my other one. Parker Posey as Dr. Smith as in Lost in Space. Oh, my God. Ooh, good one. Good she one. May, gave you, gives you chills watching her. And everything that she did, from the little nuance to the plotting and scheming to the outright evilness she delivered and i adored her for it i ship them i really ship them your favorite couple of 2018 mo um i'm gonna go with the dethroned king elliot wall and uh, quentin coldwater from the magicians i mean this couple you know even though they're not they don't consider themselves a couple the show writes them as if they are a couple. They are, you know, they're in this huge bromance. They had a whole episode of the of uh, the third season devoted to them, in which they were trapped in the past, in Fillory's past, and then they had to live their life out together. As essentially, a- in which they applied implied very specifically that they ha- had romantic feelings at some oh, point yeah. for I, each other. Yeah, I mean, they and remember in previous seasons. They had they had a they had a threesome. I mean, like in, in a previous season, so there is precedent for this. 
you know, the relationship. But the two characters, even even outside of that, in the normal timeline of the magicians you see these two as there's this bromance between them you you just look at the at the season finale you know as you saw elliot being possessed you know from quentin i mean it was just it was heartbreaking and 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 though the show kind of wants you to root for quentin and alice as the end-all be-all couple you know and and you know Elliot and Quentin are the equivalent in the in the magicians of Jason and Sonny from General Hospital. I would actually love it if they would pull a twist where it ends up being El- Elliot and Quentin together in the end. I would love that. Would um, love Mel, who do you have? I have Jefferson and Lynn from Black Lightning. I love them. They're just so cute. I just, oh. And I love how, you know, they always try to work together and she's super duper smart and he's the obvious, he's super smart too, but he also has superpowers. So where can you go wrong with that one? They always try to do the right thing for their daughters and stick together. I feel like they set a good example and things like that. So I'm behind it. I like it. My favorite couple of 2018, I have to give a nod to the originals with Marcel and Rebecca because I have loved them since the first season and they ended on the final season in a very touching manner. And I just, I'm going to miss, well, I miss not having them on my TV anymore. Kick that ass! The best fight scene of 2018. Mel, who do you have? Luke Cage versus Bush Master. Those two beat each other within an inch of their own lives, and it was amazing to watch. You have superhero powers versus kind of artificial superhero powers to see who comes out on top, and I loved, loved, loved watching it. I just, it's one that sometimes I get bored, and I'm like, hmm, I'll go watch that fight scene. That was really good. I loved it, so... Yeah, that's my one. Mo? I have a tie. <laughs> um, first, I'm going to go with... Um, it, it's something I, I probably I mentioned in a previous podcast. It's the second season finale of FX's Legion, which is the X-Men spinoff starring David Haller, Charles Xavier's son. And I'm specifically talking about his fight scene with the Shadow King, Amal Farouk, in which they had this neon colored you know animated fight uh in the astral plane where they were changing and all these different animals and stuff and it looked like it came straight out of a comic book um and and in an x-men cartoon and i just i have to rewatch the scene occasionally because it it just captures everything that's in my imagination when when i think about an X-Men related psychic duel. Now my second fight scene is more grounded. It's a little bit more recent. It's that prison riot from uh, Arrow when uh, <laughs> when uh, Ricardo Diaz broke into the prison that Oliver Queen was in. And, you know, that was a brutal fight scene. Um, the stunts looked amazing. Um, you know, it, it it was it it made you think of um Daredevil just, season try, one. Daredevil season one and those prison fights from um that old Oz. HBO 
Oz. It it was just amazing for what the CW for a for what it could do on a CW budget and b what what was allowed at eight o'clock Eastern Standard Time on a network television show. It it was just it was brutal and it, it was bone crunch, crunching literally at some parts. So. Arrow was fantastic, and I'll straight up admit I forgot about it. Um, I went with Daredevil Season 3, The Prison Hallway Fight, because it was almost a nod back to Season 1 with that epic fight in Season 1 that Matt went through. This time, he went through it again, but in a prison. And it was everything... It, like it wasn't quite as good as season one. And maybe the reason for that is because we've now seen it. We've seen it in daredevil season three. We've now seen it in arrow, as you pointed out. So maybe it wasn't like as unexpected as what we got with daredevil season one. And maybe that's why daredevil season one all in my mind is like the epitome of this. But I thought daredevil season three's prison fight was excellent. Best scene where someone's ass wasn't whooped. Mel. Okay, so Luke and I had a discussion about this over a text message, and we kind of decided that this show really isn't geek, but we're putting it on our list anyways, and it comes from Pose, which came on FX. Oh. It is the mother of the year ball, and more specifically, house versus house. Now, Pose, oh my goodness. Y'all don't understand how many times I have watched this scene over and over again on YouTube to watch. We start off voguing. Then we start off serving body and realness. Then after that, we serve face. And finally, at the end, we serve the mothers of the year and our contenders and everyone is just so absolutely fantastic and beautiful and they're twirling and they're giving us face, they're giving us body, they're giving us everything we need. It is absolutely amazing. Y'all, if you have not watched Pose, please, 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 it is on the FX Network app. You can watch it. I, I don't know if it's on Hulu. I don't really know. It's fantastic. It is absolutely amazing. That scene is forever burned in my memory. I love every part of it, every bit of it. I think the actors and the actresses are fantastic on that show. I can't wait for season two. Their Bring Christmas episode is also oh, just heart-wrenching. Yeah. Uh, Mo, who did you have for best scene where someone's ass wasn't whooped? I've got to go, and this is from the originals, and it is when Klaus is watching Hope and her friend her dance partner at this point, eventually frenemy from Legacies, Landon, take that, take a dance, uh, are dancing together, and it's it's Klaus, you know, just being a normal dad watching his daughter dance and have these firsts, and you know, you as the audience know that the show is coming to an end and something is going to happen that will fundamentally change. Um, Klaus, Klaus's dynamic with hope, and you think as a viewer, you you think back about Klaus, everything, how Klaus has evolved from Vampire Diaries to the originals, and how you know him watching his daughter, you know him about protecting his daughter, you know him soften as a being, and and you realize that Klaus is not totally this monster. He you know at this point he's a monster who loves his daughter, and. You know, it, 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 it's 
it's heartbreaking and it's touching and it's just a very touching scene, a a very tender father daughter scene, knowing full well as the audience, this is the end of this character or at least somebody's going. My best scene where someone's ass wasn't whooped has already been mentioned because it was an episode and Mo mentioned it earlier. It was Elliot and Quentin's life in a day episode on the magicians. It was a very personal, it was a very intimate exploration of the relationship between these two men who have found themselves in an unexpected intersection in life. And it was powerful. It was something that when you were done watching, you just sort of sat there and were quiet thinking about it. That is not something I would ever expect from the magicians because the magicians at times can also be that show that just like makes you go, Oh my God, WTF is going on. I can't believe I just saw that happen. But Elliot and Quentin's life in a day episode was probably a top three episode of 2018 for me. I'm I'm pretty sure that there would be like a pose episode and then another show's episode, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Gets better with age. Most improved show. Mel. Well, for me, it was a show that I've talked about a lot this year, and it had to be American Horror Story, Apocalypse. Wow, this was a fantastic season. It's probably my favorite season since Coven. Now, I admittedly hadn't watched American Horror Story in about two seasons. I kept up with it pretty regular, the first five or so seasons, and then it kind of fell off. When I heard the ladies from Coven were returning this season, I had to tune in, and I was not disappointed. My gosh, it, oh. I loved this show. It started off a little slow because we started off in the thick of the apocalypse. But when we started telling the story about how we actually got to the apocalypse and how we got there, oh my goodness, we brought in the coven ladies. Sarah Paulson returned. Kathy Bates was back. Gabrielle Sidibay came back as well. And it was absolutely fantastic. I loved the whole season. Jessica Lane even came back for a few episodes. It was great. I just... I loved Coven, and this was kind of almost a part two to Coven, and it was fantastic. I, mm, y'all, y'all watch it. I'm sure they'll put it on Netflix with everything else, but it was great. Mo, I'm gonna go with Gotham. I mean, it's, it's, it's. I, this, as the show progressed, like Gotham has found what it is. It's not necessarily following the traditional path that leads Batman, Bruce Wayne to becoming Batman. It's not um, necessarily the show about a procedural about Commissioner Gordon and what's going on with the GCPD. At this point, it is just bonkers, insane hodgepodge and mixture of, you know, Batman villains who shouldn't even appear until Bruce Wayne has become Batman, and at this point, you've just got to embrace the crazy. I mean, it's like you just got to drink whatever crazy potion that they give you on that show and then just run with it because it feels like the Michael Keaton Batman films on steroids. It The 
I love the relationships that they've developed over the course of time, especially the Penguin and the Riddlers, this literal love-hate relationship between them. And what, you know, um, the Penguin, you know, it's clear that the Penguin wants the Riddler, uh, but the Riddler is like, wait, you know, I wanted you to be Oswald to be my friend. And they're just constantly this back and forth Looney Tunes type uh, situation where they're trying to kill each other. Um, you've got commissioner Gordon, who I think at this point has a bit more depth to him. And, 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 and I accept that, you know, commissioner Gordon doesn't have to be totally straight laced and do everything by the book. There's a bit of gray in, in this character. Um, you know, and there are times where you think he could end up becoming Batman. It's, I, I, I love the fact that the the actor who plays Bruce Wayne, how he has grown into the role. Um, it's very similar to how we watch the kids on the, the various the kids on the Harry Potter movies, how they grew as actors and actresses over the course of that franchise's history. We see that that actor grow literally and then between seasons literally grow in terms of inches and height and so forth and we feel more comfortable i certainly feel more comfortable with him being bruce wayne and even can see this character become you know not necessarily batman but even bat boy um at the end of the seat at the end of the series okay brace yourselves because I struggled with this category, and my pick might come off as petty, but if that's what it is, then I am being petty. I am going to see, say Doctor Who with Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor, because I so loathed Capaldi's Doctor that I stopped watching, like, I no longer had to watch Doctor Who when it the night it aired i no longer cared about any of the storyline spoilers or anything like that capaldi took me his era took me so out of that show that for me anything where he is not in it is an improvement that is not to say that doctor who with jodie whittaker doesn't have its issues i did not like the format that the new um regime is how they handled it i did not like uh some of the aspects that it felt so unconnected and disjointed and it was more episodic and those type of elements were not in its favor for me but as a doctor who i can love and adore i liked eccleston i loved tenant ten is my favorite i enjoyed i thoroughly enjoyed matt smith but Capaldi, I just could not do it. So to have a doctor where I'm actually looking forward to and enjoying the do- Doctor Who again, for me, that is an improvement. And if it comes across as petty, I'm sorry. You didn't even call Capaldi Skeletor. I mean, like, you know. <laughs> well, he he was. But like I said, I'm not trying to be petty. But like for me, he, like his portrayal of the Doctor took so much enjoyment out of it that it, I just, uh, it was painful. Best new show of 2018, Mo. I have another tie. Um, uh, one is something we a show we've already mentioned. It is the CW's Black Lightning. I 
I that that show. <laughs> Just to clarify, um, if, if for shows where we've had um, multiple seasons in the same year, can we clarify which season? If if there's a difference for you, well, for me, it has. There is no difference. I mean, I mean, like, I, truly, Black Lightning was solid. It had a solid first season. Second season, it it just kept moving. The train just kept moving. Um, it just gone from strength to strength. And so what what I like about my superhero shows, which is, is that it's rooted in the family, that there is a family drama, that there's something within, something that exists beyond the superpowers. And for Black Lightning, it is the family, the, the Pierce family dynamic. I mean, when Jefferson Pierce talks to his daughters and the conflicts that they have, it just reminds me of people I know. His daughters, the dialogue that they have, they they see, they remind me of people I know. They remind me of people in that age group that I've interacted with. The show is just so real. It's so much on the pulse of things that are happening in contemporary society. They love to intertwine issues like green light related to drug epidemic i love uh tobias whale he tobias if you if you can't have a kingpin tobias is the next best thing because that man is on fire i mean it's such amazing show and and plus the, the music I, again we've we've mentioned other movies we've mentioned movies that have really good soundtracks black lightning has like an awesome soundtrack in, in episodes and i love how they intercut the fight scenes with with uh with great music and everything um it's such a joy to watch when it's on and my second favorite show of 2018 which also did has had its first season aired at the beginning of 2018 and its second season started a, a few weeks ago um and i think is also a very solid show for for uh, some different reasons, is Stars' counterpart. It's uh, it's and if you haven't heard of it, it's a spy, an espionage show in which there are two parallel Earths. There's an agency. There's like an inner. There are agency disputes between one Earth and another Earth. There are these sleeper agents who come from one Earth to the other Earth to kill people, um, and. The lead of the show is J.K. Simmons, who you will probably know um, from Oz. From he was he was the recent he was Commissioner Gordon in Justice League, um, and he plays dual characters. And you can the nuances between um, how his two versions of the character called Howard Silk are extraordinary you can just you can just see his shift in body language and you can tell he's one version he's one earth's howard versus the other earth's howard um it's a it's a slow burner of a, of a series um but it's a it's a psychological show um christine adams who plays lynn pierce on black lightning she also is on she has a role on counterpart as well um if you like shows about dual identities and actors and actresses playing multiple role, dual roles um, and espionage. This is certainly the show for you. Um, 
And for you GH fans, it also had uh, Ingo Rademacher was in the first season as well playing a character. Mel, best new show of 2018. My best new show of 2018. Well, one has already been said, and that was Black Lightning for all the reasons that Mo mentioned. That show is absolutely fantastic. And I I would say seasons one and two, because I feel like it is not hitting a sophomore slump at all. It is still firing all cylinders. It is still one of the shows that I have to watch live. Like I go out of my way to make sure that I can see that one live. But since I already talked about that one a lot, um, my other best new show was Sabrina, the chilling adventures of Sabrina. So I used to watch um, Sabrina, the teenage witch, from way back when it was Melissa Joan Hart and his show was silly and Salem talked. And I love that show. So when this one came on, I did realize that, Hey, this one's way darker than the other one. But once you finally, you know, accept that for what it is, that show is absolutely great. The young lady who plays Sabrina, she, she knows where she is, which is kind of rare for a youngin like that, but she's great. Um, I loved um, Aunt Hilda and Aunt Zelda and the way that they're still a family and it's super dark. And you Even kinda... though they're killing each other? And the, <laughs> hey, hey, what does she always say? Ah, she comes back, it's fine. Come on. But if she was like, one of these family, days you're not going to come back and then I'll miss you or something see, along that effect. See, but that's family. That is family all day. How many times have you been like... I could just just ring ring your neck. I could just choke you and watch the light leave your eyes, but I'd miss you. But I could do it, and they actually do it. And I feel like that is such a great sister vibe because I could definitely see that happening. So I loved it. I love oh, what's the kid's name that lives in the house with them? The the guy. I love him too. That's I want to I want to say it's like Archibald or something, but I know yeah. it's not Archibald. I, it's not Archibald. Ambrose. At all. His name Ambrose. is Ambrose. Thank you. There Ambrose. you go. I love him. He's kind of a, like comedic relief, but also the real voice in the house too. So I I loved it. Sabrina was great. I'm so excited. I, I love the Christmas episode. They gave us a little bonus Christmas episode and my family and I watched it while we were all together because everyone had been watching the show. So it was great. I can't wait. And it's coming back. It's a Netflix show that I don't have to wait a whole year for them to come up with another season. It will be back in April. So bring it. Mine are also Black Lightning and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Black Lightning Season 1, I thought it was outstanding. It was shoulders above the rest of the CW shows, and it offered an opportunity for us to see comic book adaptations go in a different direction. We've seen what had happened prior with Arrow and The Flash on the CW. We've seen what Marvel was able to do with Netflix but I feel like Black Lightning sort of stands on its own. And for that, I and, and the way it can, um, conveys its stories is different. The opening is different. Like when you it does chapters and volumes and these, that element, there's so many great things about Black Lightning. Um, season two is still really solid. For me, I think the disconnect is a little bit... I feel like Pierce is or Jefferson is being a little bit I've, I'm feeling a little bit weird about his role as a dad without being a principal. I really enjoyed his role model status as the principal at the school. And now that he's no longer connected to the school, I feel like he's getting a little bit too much angry dad 
el- like and now granted some of it's concern because his daughter's on the run but and that's totally understandable but i'm really missing the actual school com- portion that m- was an a factor of enjoyment for me in season one for the chilling adventures of sabrina I too watched the original Sabrina. I wasn't sure where we were going with this. I'm not a huge horror fan, but I do like stylized um, genre horror with witches, werewolves, vampires, that type of thing. This was so much fun. It was a breath of fresh air. I marathoned it completely. I think I had it done in two days. And then when I found out that there was a Christmas episode, I was like, wait, I've got to go watch this. And I literally the moment I got home turned it on it was that enjoyable um so for me those are my two best new shows of 2018 female entertainer of 2018 Mel we've already talked about her before I'm gonna talk about her some more it has to be Miss Alfrey Woodard from Luke Cage Mariah Stokes for you Mo Dylan (laughs) her performance in this show was absolutely amazing you're watching her as i'm talked about earlier just descend into this super villain like you knew from season one that she was dark and twisted but you quite didn't realize how much and you find that out in season two that slaughter of the jamaicans who that's rough but her speech at the end where she talks about her life and how hard it was and why she basically is the person that she is, she deserves all the awards for that show. When I think about it, I'm like, wow. And Alfred Woodard has been in the game a long, long time. And I was so happy to see her finally get some recognition that she so rightfully deserves deserves because she's been criminally underrated for years. So seeing her shine in this show has been amazing. I'm sad she won't be back for a season three because they got rid of that character. But I understand. Well, how they also is. canceled Black <laughs> look, Luke Cage. Look. Look, we all know they're all coming back on Disney streaming service. We know what's happening. That, come on, the writing's on the wall there. But I'm sad it's not going to be a thing because she was absolutely amazing. Mo? For me, it's, you know, I hate to say this, but it's another tie. But really, it's a tie. It's from the same show. So I'm going with Jodie Com- uh, Comer, who plays Villanelle. This assassin and Sandra O, oh, who who plays um, Eve Pilastri, this uh, MI MI five. I agent. knew we were getting Killing Eve on this list from you somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I was just waiting for it to happen. I didn't know where it was coming Look, in, but I knew it we is were getting Sandra O, oh, and I will allow it. This show, woo, it it's so it's it's such a fun cat and mouse game, and how uh, Jodie Comer and Sandra O oh play off of each other. It's really, really delightful. And truly, if, if their characters met in some uh, other setting other than, you know, one's an assassin and one's an MI5 agent tasked with trying to catch her, you know, they would be friends. You know, you have uh, Jodie Comer's character, Villanelle. She's very fashion forward. She loves pretty things, but she will slit your throat. She, you know, she makes little qualms about it. And then just Eve Palatri, she is, you you see some shades of her character from Grey's, Grey's Anatomy, just how driven she is. But at the same time, you know, uh, Eve 
is is just not she's a bit more messier and and I like it and I love it and I think that you know I wouldn't be inter- as as female entertainers I mean you need the two of them together um if you haven't watched Killing Eve I believe it's now on uh Hulu um and it's coming back in a few months I believe it's either April or May on BBC America it's it's such a delight to watch oh I can't say any more about Killing Eve <laughs> I could, but I won't. My female entertainer of 2018 is Jodie Whittaker for Doctor Who. I never watched Broadchurch. I know she was on it. I had not seen her in anything prior to this. I love how she was able to encapsulate so many elements of the previous Doctors who I enjoyed. You could see Tennant in it. You could see Smith in it. You could even see a little bit of Eccleston. But she made it her own. The way that the character is depicted has allowed her as an actress to make it her own deliver for the fans and amidst the controversy that led up to the debut with her being a female doctor she handled it all really well and i think that even though things are sort of up in the air about what's going to happen with doctor who as a series going forward i would love to see her as the doctor for many more seasons, because I think the opportunity um, is there for her to be one of the best doctors of all time. I just think that the show itself is being underserved by the vision of the executive producer and head writer on that show. I just, it, it's not her fault, but she is doing an amazing job with the material that she's given and it's solid material. I just don't agree with the vision male entertainer of 2018 Mo. I'm going to go with Mike Coulter from Luke Cage. And, um, he also made it a turn appearance as Lamont Bishop on the good fight. Um, you know, Mike Coulter was very charismatic as Luke Cage. That brother was, you know, it, it was, it was great to see this brother, like busting heads in Harlem. Uh, you know, he, 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 he got his ass kicked a, a little bit by Bushmaster. You know, Bushmaster brought him back to Earth. But I like the evolution of this the, the, um, the hero of Harlem and how, you know, he feels like he necessarily can't do things the way Danny Rand does or Matt, Matt Murdock does. You know, he has to do things his way. And I love how season two of Luke Cage ended. And I... You know, I'm just sorry that the show got canceled because I would love to see more of Luke Cage's, uh, uh, more adventures of Luke Cage. And I actually got to see Mike Coulter in person. He was at the Baltimore Comic Con. He was really just wonderful how he interacted with the fans, how he played with the fans. Um, so it, if you get a chance to see him in person, you know, he's just as entertaining on screen as he is off screen. Mel? For me, my male TV entertainer of 2018, it can't be, couldn't be anybody other than Billy Porter. From Pose, he was also on American Horror Story. He showed up and showed out and put on one of the best performances I've seen in a long time on Pose. He, pay, he plays Pray Tell, who is basically the MC of all the balls, and he kind of serves as everybody's father. And he mentors Blanca, and he also goes through his own struggle with his boyfriend passing away from HIV. Sorry, guys, spoiler alerts all in this, but his performance was absolutely 
amazing in Pose. And I would be surprised if he was not nominated for his performance because holy crap, he's amazing. And then also to see him in American Horror Story where he was cracking me up half the time and everything's supposed to be, you know, ah, is the end of the world and he's cracking jokes and, you know, helping out our heroes and it's just he's great. He's been great for a long time too. So I like seeing him finally get some recognition this year. My pick for male entertainer of 2018, I had um, Matt Ryan as Constantine on, uh, on legends of tomorrow, but I think I'm going to bump him to honorable mention. And instead I'm going to choose Hale Applebaum from the magicians who plays Elliot. His portrayal of Elliot who started out in the early seasons as this really callous, mean girl, almost type character to a character that has matured, has provided immense amount of depth. And we have seen the pain that he has gone through as he both dealt with like the episodes like Life in a Day where he, we get to see him and Elliot in an, um, what could arguably be said as some sort of romantic relationship. But then you get to see the side of that character where he has a daughter and the discovery eventually that she's not actually his daughter. And you get to see his manipulations. You got to see everything from the, the flippant Elliot that we saw early on to the really deep character that he has become. And I really think that um, Apple, Appleman has done a fantastic job of portraying that a character that could easily be very one note and is instead very nuanced and very layered. Um, cancel it already. Worst show of the year. Mel? It's a show where I'm not really sure why I'm even still watching it at this point. But to me, it has to be The Walking Dead. Just end it. Just put it out of its misery. Put it out of my misery. I don't know why I'm still watching this show. There has been a significant time jump at this point, and I just need it to be over. Like, Is Fear the Walking Dead still on? Yes, and I don't know how that show's still on because I could watch it like two seasons ago, and it's still on. What's okay. his name? Um, um, You're has Morgan, gone over to that show. Is it Morgan? Yes, Morgan. I was trying to call him something else. But yeah, Morgan has now left the Walking Dead proper for Fear the Walking Dead. And I don't know why. I don't okay. have an explanation for that. But I just, it's time for the Walking Dead to end. You know, we've quote unquote, they have written Rick off the show because um, Andy decided that it was time to go back and be with his family. And I totally respect that. I do. But let's just end it. We've had enough. Mo, is it going to be as controversial as that? I'm sure could be. Go ahead, come for me. I don't care. I said it, and I'll say it again. No, I'm gonna go with Charmed. Them babies just need to go. <laughs> the, Charmed is mine as well. My God, what a disaster and a disappointment. Um, I also have Iron Fist, but it's already been canceled, so I can't really <laughs> do too much there. Show of the year, the biggest category we have for television i have a tie but i will go last mo you should go first luke you never go first go okay um i have pose and yellowstone 
Neither of which are technically geek, but it for me, bar none, were the best shows of the year. With Pose, I like to think of it this way. Heroes come in many forms, and we often talk about superheroes on this show, but often an exhibit of strength, of character, fearlessness, and wearing a good costume are components of a hero on superhero shows, and all of those were on Pose. Not enough can be said about the acting, the cinematography, everything about Pose is excellent. Five stars across the board. I have zero regrets. It made me cry. It made me laugh. It made me cheer. I There's nothing that did it as well on television with the exception of my tie which is Yellowstone on Paramount the Kevin Costner um, TV series set in Montana which is basically a modern day Game of Thrones set in Montana a big Montana ranch it is like the Lannisters the Lannister family ranching and it hit home for me because growing up in North Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, I have seen these type of characters. I have seen these type of settings. And the fact that you have this family who basically Kevin Costner's character, his father did it before him, they will take inmates who have just been released from jail who don't have many prospects provide them a home and as part of the thing that says that they are now going to be safe secure and have an income they are branded with the yellowstone brand and they can never leave the drama on this show there is a Cersei, there is a Tyrion, there is every single one of the characters that you see in Game of Thrones on Yellowstone, and it is beautiful. The drama is intense, the cinematography is ex- as big as a big sky, just like Montana, and I loved both of them. Mo, show of the year. Gotta go with the man without fear, dead devil. That show came back from its second. It saw it had a sophomore slump, but that third season of Daredevil, woo! If you are familiar with um, <clears throat> the, the uh, uh, Daredevil Born Again comic series, it, it's pretty much it's not beat for beat that that story arc, but it draws heavily from that. It felt like you were reading a comic. I mean, Charlie Cox. You could literally, when they would just beat him, you could feel, you. I would shake because you could feel the bo- his bones being broken. Um, Vincent D'Onofrio came back as the kingpin, as Wilson Fisk, the kingpin. And I love how the, he played the FBI. He played the FBI. They got him out of prison. They got He got hooked up with this really nice looking penthouse slowly but surely you know he had oh people thought you know the fbi was imprisoning uh wilson fisk it was the inverse i mean he was applying pressure to all of them and if he needed to he would get rid of you um ad man um 
Wilson Bethel from the Young and the Restless as Dax, who ended up becoming he was the well, he, he in the comics he ended up becoming Bullseye. Um and and clearly that's where they were taking this character, especially if you saw the end of the season. Wow. I mean, just quite a performance from Wilson Bethel. Um, it shows that, you know, I think when we mentioned this when we talked about Daredevil in a previous episode of um of of GC of Geek Confidential, it it literally was like he was playing like a supervillain version of his character Ryder from the Young and the Restless, only much more lethal. Um just every episode of Daredevil, you know, whether there was action going on or whether it was heavy on the drama, um, it kept you engaged. I love the Karen flashback episode where we got to know finally about what was she running from. If Daredevil had to end, I'm glad that it stuck the landing and it went out on top. And I'm sorry that we're not getting any more episodes right now. Hopefully someday we'll get more episodes of Daredevil, especially with Charlie Co- if we have Charlie Cox in the in the lead role in the lead. But whoa, th- th- this show, Daredevil, it-, it-, it was my best. Mel, show of the year. For me, it had to be timeless. This is a show that NBC has canceled again. It's gone, gone this time. And it really breaks my heart because it's such a gem of a show. You know, we've talked about it before, how the show focuses on telling parts of history that are little known and really expounding upon that and taking pieces that you know are big and adding in other pieces that fit in that you really didn't know about. And I think that's so important, especially in this day and age that we live now. I, I just, I'm so sad that it's gone. I really enjoyed the timeless movie as well. Cause I felt like, you know, we really wrapped everything up that I was sad about. And I feel like we could, there's still more story to be told with that show. I loved all the actors, the time team, um, you know, Denise and everyone else that was involved. It is just a fantastic show. I enjoyed watching it. It was one where I tried to stay away from spoilers. There were times that it shocked me genuinely, and it doesn't happen a lot. You know, if you watch TV a lot, there's things that you you can kind of predict what's going on, and that show always threw me for a loop, loop a little bit, and I could always appreciate that, but... It was absolutely amazing, fantastic. I wish we could have more, but I guess it's just not in the cards. This brings us to our final three categories. Best of Geekdom, Worst of Geekdom, and Biggest Moment of 2018. Mo, what was the Worst of Geekdom for you? It's celebrities such as Ruby Rose, uh, who portrayed Batwoman during the Elseworlds crossover and she has a there's a Batwoman pilot that's going to be made so hopefully fingers crossed there'll be a Batwoman series and Kelly Tran who was on Star Wars uh The Last Jedi these celebrities being harassed and being and 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 being forced to it they feel forced to flee uh social media sites like Twitter and Instagram because you know these fans think that they own these characters and that they are the ones who can tell who who understand how it how these characters um, should be portrayed and and that I, you know 
I feel like this. We can have our opinions and that we can discuss things in a civil manner. But when you're when you're launching personal attacks on folks and you and you send them death threats, that's getting out of hand. These are, you know, comic book, uh, TV characters, movie characters. This isn't real life. You know, these people are portraying a character, you know, for a paycheck. You know, you can like it, you can, you don't like it, but that doesn't mean you need, you get to harass them. I share that sentiment. I, I sort of struggled with this category. I ended up going with something sort of petty, but my thought before I decided to go petty was I'm really tired of the geek uproar about women not being able to be, or iconic characters not able to be women or women taking over iconic characters. That is a huge annoyance to me. I feel like there in this day and age, there are so many stories to be told. Some of those stories can, some of the stories that we've known and loved can be adapted, but it, it goes, it stretches the range from a small character like one in Star Wars that is brand new to a character like Batman, which is one that a lot of people are familiar with. So I do agree with you there, but I decided to go petty on this and it's just going to be with Apple because I can't remember specifically what I picked last year for the worst of 2017 but I know for a fact that at the end of last year Apple announced that they had had a battery issue and that they were going to offer discounts on batteries because they had had a battery issue with their phones and at the time I had spent I had a 6S which I was, had spent a significant amount of time on the phone with Apple support and was like yeah, this didn't happen to my phone until the update that you guys installed on the phone happened. And then for the last four months, I my battery has been drained almost instantly or felt like instantly with very little usage. And they were like, oh, no, it's just the age of your phone. There's nothing wrong, blah, 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 blah. Turns out that a lot of the reasons why they were replacing the battery had to do with some of the exact same symptoms that I had had on my phone. Now, granted, I ended up getting a X um, in February, and I've loved that phone, but it super annoyed me that that had to come out like right after I was like, I spent all that time on support with tech support. So, yes, I'm totally being petty. It's all about me when it comes to the worst in geekdom. Mel, how about you? I'm so proud of y'all because hearing y'all talk about how the geeks are really up roaring against, you know, women being main characters and not getting the respect that they deserve. And that shouldn't be. I'm so proud of y'all because that was mine, too. But since y'all did such a fantastic job talking about it, I'm going to go with my other one. And that was NBC canceling Timeless because that was wrong. It was, oh, it was still, oh. and it, and the fact that they took them so long to finally announce that it was going to be canceled, that's just disrespectful. If you knew you were going to cancel it in the beginning, you should have just done that instead of making people wait months and months and months. That ain't right, NBC. It's wrong. Stop it doing that right. to people. It ain't okay. Don't do it. Mo, best of geekdom. Aquaman tearing up the box office. I mean, and gaining res gaining respect and I receipts mean, and receipts. <laughs> the receipts. I mean, Jason Momoa is like, show me the money. You know, I <laughs> I think back when I think about Aquaman. You know, prior to this movie, you know, as a child on the playground, 
when you role playing kids, um, Justice League characters or Super Friends characters that they would call back at back in the 80s and so forth, you know, no one wanted to be Aquaman because all Aquaman did was ride a seahorse and talk and to talk fish. To fish. And exactly. that's, he got, Aquaman has always been one of my favorite DC characters and he got the short sheet on so many things. Yeah. So, but I mean, thanks to Jason Momoa first in, in um, Justice League, now in his own solo movie, Aquaman has mad respect. There's some problems with that, that movie. It's a fun movie. It's, it's not a, a great movie, but it is a yeah. fun movie. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, Mira. Oh, <laughs> no, my, no, I tell you. Oh, yeah. And I'm not a Nicole Kidman fan, and I finally found a movie that I like her in. Black Manta, Lord <laughs> Black Manta wasn't even bad, but like I, the final speech ah, that Mira have. gives in Aquaman is one that completely took me out of the film. First of all, why did Nicole Kidman not give that speech? This was the mother of the two kings of Atlantis. Why did she not give that speech? She had the gravitas and the presence to do it. And yet we had this uh, heaving bosoms like lightweight coming across to give the final speech about unity. And it just, uh, it was like, it completely took me out of the film at the end of it. And I really was not happy about it. Even though I liked her earlier in the film. Wait, wait, that, that, that cartoon foolery with, with black man, the black man was bad up until, you know, he, you know, went off that cliff. Like it was like, he was wily coyote. I mean, that was so crazy. I mean, but, and then he survived. But the movie, the movie was fun. I mean, it was like it was just a lot of fun. It it wasn't a great movie. It was a solid movie, but it was a ton of fun. Okay, Um, Mel, your best of geekdom for 2018. Marvel Studios 10 year anniversary. And the way that they celebrated was with Black Panther and Infinity War. Okay, y'all. So we've talked about Black Panther in this podcast a lot we give it its due where it belongs we also have to talk about infinity war because this is the culmination of 10 years of movies and i didn't quite realize just how many movies it was until you know people started doing lists and talking about it and so on and so forth and i was like do you manage you see what they did they took 10 years of movies and connected all of them to finally culminate in one movie and it wasn't a bad movie you start, you know, you see all the characters and they're finally all together and things start clicking in your head and you're like, oh, that's why this happened in this movie and oh, that's why we saw this and oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening right now. Like, Infinity War, I loved Infinity War. I thought it was great. I just, I've watched it probably three or four times already on Netflix, which I usually don't watch movies over and over again. At least I try not to because I try to watch more of them, but I, I just, for them to do that and have it connect and make sense I thought that was absolutely fantastic because that's that's thinking ahead. That is storyboarding. That is what you are supposed to do when you're making movies like this. We've got our eye on you, Warner Brothers. Uh huh. Uh huh. I just thought it was great. And for me, that was kind of the best of the year, too, because you even had people watching the movie who aren't usually big superhero fans and everybody was talking about it. And it was just the talk of the town. And I loved it. Mo. For me, it was it's Jodie Whittaker debuting as the Doctor. I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, just hands down. I mean, we fans. I, this fan is one of the change and what we've been getting um, in terms of the lead on the Doctor since the series came back in two thousand five. Let alone, you know, it's been particularly males of a certain persuasion since the show debuted back in the 60s. So having Jodie Whittaker as the new Doctor is a breath of fresh air. Um, She brings this energy to the role, this enthusiasm. I love the fact that it it feels, I mean, what you know, it, it feels like an ensemble show. And, you know, it's a little it's a little adjustment of an adjustment period but i think that you can see the actress become more comfortable in the role um certainly by the time of the the uh season uh the season ended you know you really feel if you if you had any doubts you know that jody whitaker is the doctor and certainly by the time you watch if you haven't seen the new year's episode woo I'm I'm really want to see more Jodie Whittaker as a Doctor, and I hate the fact that we're gonna have to wait till 2020 to get more episodes of the Doctor, unless there's like some sort of uh, Christmas special. But we'll see. Mel, my biggest moment is from Infinity War, actually, and Thanos finally gets all of the stones. He has all six Infinity Stones, and he snaps his fingers, and it finally happens. He wipes out half the world, and that. The scenes after that where we watch everyone literally fading away. How many times throughout the year after that happened have we seen that? Where there's been parodies on that where something is just fading away. You know what I mean? I'm like, that's how much this movie just impacted the world. To where anytime you see something just really fading away like sand is a throwback to Infinity War. But Thanos finally snapping his fingers and watching everyone disappear. That just... Y'all... It got to me. And I was in the theater. I remember, remember being in the theater and the movie ends, of course, you know, with Thanos thinking, oh, everything is great. It's over. And it ends. And I was literally like, uh-uh. Nope. I know there is more movie left. Something else has to be happening. Give me the stinger. No, I know this cannot be it. So that that's definitely my biggest moment. My best of geekdom also comes from Infinity War, but it is a very specific scene. We get to the end and Mel alluded to it, people start evaporating into dust, but it was Peter telling Tony that he was scared and Spider-Man dissolving in Iron Man's arms was the best of geekdom. That scene alone was the best of geekdom for me in 2018. My biggest moment is also Infinity War, For everything that Mel said, I love that it was the culmination. I love that we got to see Thor post-Ragnarok have much more of the elements of Ragnarok in the character. I loved that Banner returned and was the heart of the Avengers. I loved how Black Panther and Wakanda played an important role. I loved how we had Shuri in there. We we had all of the characters that we've come to know and love. And even early on when you have Tony telling Potts about like he's going to be a gone for a while and the voice fades out 
it was sad early on. There's only one thing about it, and I got into a debate with a friend about this the other day because I I rewatched um, Infinity War over New Year's, and it dry it takes me out every time. They gave rationale as to why it does it, like it's it's totally okay. But for a movie that starts out with someone's hand getting cut off because of portals that the the portals that Strange and Wong are making, they can cut off a hand. It makes no sense to me with all the portals that Strange was throwing up all over the place that Spider-Man was popping in and out of, that people were coming in and out of and dropping out of and running across, that we just didn't get a portal around Thanos' hand and cut the sucker off so he couldn't clench a fist. It takes me out of it every single time. Now, they had arguments as to why that wasn't the case. Like, it it doesn't take them out of it, but for me, it takes it out of. Otherwise, I loved it. And Infinity War was my biggest moment of 2018. So, that brings us to the end of this 2000, Best and Worst of 2018 episode. We hope you enjoy it. We will return probably end of January, early February, because I'm going to be moving and life is sort of happening in January for me. So um, we will be returning at the end of the month, end of January, early February with our new episode. I can't wait. There's lots of interesting things that are premiering and returning in January. So it should be fun. 2018 was a pretty good year to be a geek so i can't complain too much you can find me on twitter at luke underscore kerr you can follow the podcast at gk confidential you can like us on facebook at facebook.com slash gk confidential you can find mel at at melody Akles, and mo is at dr mo 77 no never get it right Okay, I got it right though, Mel. You did today. You're, th- but you're, th- you're, you always you're throwing got the shade. We've been doing this podcast for I don't even know how long at this point. And every oh. time we get to vote, Doctor. It's like Mr. Mike. It's like Mike on Daytime Confidential. Is it 24 or is it 64? Yep. Well, so it's even worse with Mike, Luke, because you've, I mean, you've. It's <laughs> been like for 12. Years. Oh, it's been more than 10 it's years. It's been, it's, it's, like yeah. It's 12 years. In my defense, he's only had Twitter for about nine. Thank you for listening. Until next time. So long. Bye, Bye, y'all.